0: Hey friends happy new year we have a few more episodes in season one and i'm so thankful to be back behind the mic for a bit for this episode you're going to need to set aside a little bit more time but it will be worth it joanne Fawcett just ended marriage number seven she has so many lessons to share she is candid about the things that did not work out and speaks with such lightness there are a few dark moments funny moments and overall fascinating stories Joanne is now a speaker and author, and overall pretty cool lady. So enjoy.
1: Hi, Joanne. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? It's a beautiful fall, not rainy morning and or it's afternoon now in Portland, so it's good. <clears throat> I was I was able to get and walk. I was able to get a walk in, so it's all good.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, we had a a lot of rain the last two days and then it opened up and is beautiful and sunny today. So it's a nice day to be recording, actually, because I feel (laughs) like I'm in, you know, sunny weather energy.
1: Oh, good. Good, good, good.
0: So, Joanne, you have a very interesting story to tell. And my understanding is you just ended marriage number seven. Do I have that right?
1: You do. One died. So, yes. Technically, I've been married seven times. Yes. One died. So we didn't ever get divorced. We would have, but we didn't.
0: As a divorce attorney and mediator, I see people going through some of the most difficult times in their life and divorce can be very emotionally draining, financially draining. And my goal as part of their team in this divorce process is to always try to highlight what can we learn from this process? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about life? And I really think that a lot of the stories that you can share are going to resonate with a lot of those people. Thank you. It's like, I'm just trying not to cry, but go (laughs) ahead. (laughs) <laughs> definitely not my intention because I do feel like, no, no, you're fine. When, when, when people are so willing to share the stories too, it just um really opens that dialogue for people. And so I'm so right. thankful that you're sitting down with me today to share all your lessons.
1: Well, thank you. Um, where to start? I was going to say, you know, when I was, when I was doing the notes, I was looking at, it's like, and I was just talking to my sister. It's like, you know, she wants me to talk about the lessons I've learned. And it looks like I learned pretty much the same lesson almost every time, although I didn't use it, I didn't learn it in time to use it for the next one. <laughs> right. So it's like a lot of the lessons are really the same thing, but but yet with a different spin. So um, you know, but basically, and I, I you know, maybe I'll 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 do a caveat. I was a Mormon for over 30, well, 30 years. And so five of the guys I married were Mormons and, and the under, you know, the, the overarching underlying theme is, you know, happy family life, strong family values. That's all great. You know, you get married, you have babies, you live happily ever after. Everybody's supposed to be on the same page Mm -hmm. so that you think, so I thought, and I figured, well, if we're going to the same church, we must want the same things. We must have the same goals. We must have the same ideas on how to raise kids and handle our money and do all these, you know, married things. And that was just never the case. So we'll find out as I talk about the different guys. Um, It's like they had a face at church and a face at home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which were rarely the same. You know, it's like, oh, if the church leaders saw you today at home yelling at me like that, or, you know, talking to me like that, it's like, oh, that would be scary. Um, so, and and again, my overarching lesson for everybody is like, take the time to get to know the person before you get in a long-term relationship. Cause I never did that well enough. And even if maybe we courted for several months, it was never long enough. And we didn't talk about the, the really important stuff that I thought that now I know we should have talked about. Mm -hmm. And, um, You know, it's like, oh, I should have, I could have asked those questions. And now that I'm, you know, way much older than I was when I first got married. And it's like, oh, I could be asking these kind of questions. And, you know, my bucket list for what I want and almost demand in a partner, if there's ever going to be another partner is way longer and way different than what I thought I wanted in the first place. So,
0: yeah. And I think (laughs) knowing that has to, I would think, actually, I'm going to say it a little differently. I would think knowing that can feel very empowering at this point in your life.
1: It's very empowering because I don't have to... On the one hand, it's very empowering. On the other hand, I'm just kind of dipping my toes back into the dating apps and going, this is terrifying. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, nobody's liking me today. What's going on? It's a you whole know, it's new like, world with the app. It's it's a whole new world. And it's really scary, especially for somebody my age, at least for me. But it is empowering because I do know who I am. I do know what I want. And I'm not afraid to say who I am now and what I want. And you know, if you don't like it, you know, I'd rather be alone. Thank you very much. I love that. <laughs> so it took me a long time to get there. And I obviously didn't s- succeed in doing that with any of the seven people. You know, it just, ah, you know, I kind of just went along. It was like the same theme. It was like codependency and trying to please the man and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I, I would have kept you very busy. If I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, well, but yeah.
0: <sighs> Why don't we go ahead and jump Let's, into marriage sure. number
1: 1? Okay. I was 20. Yeah, I was 20 when we got married, just barely 20, and we were getting a divorce the following year. So, you know, most of these marriages didn't last longer than a year. There were a couple that obviously did, but um I was like I said I was a Mormon definitely at that time because I joined the church when I was 12. I was going to Brigham Young University. I went there for 2 years like the there was a a dance right before uh, Christmas break and this guy who didn't go to school there but he was there because his friend's band was playing at the dance you know he asked me to dance and we started you know talking and liking each other and and we started dating and stuff and then I went home for Christmas and went you know came back and we kept dating and even though he went to a school that was a few hours away he went to school in northern Utah but his family lived kind of close to where BYU. Anyway, we got engaged. I thought, Oh, cool. You know, the, the fairy tale wedding of the big Mormon church wedding. And, and, you know, I made this beautiful gown and everything is cool. And it's all wonderful. And um, at our reception, and this should have been my very first red flag at our reception, we're cutting the cake and the top tier falls over. It's like, oh, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> and they, re- they made us a new one. But, you know, we, we weren't even together by the time. You should have eaten that for your first anniversary. And then he had an al- I knew he had allergies like to dust and different things, but he had an allergy attack. We, he wanted to go camping on our honeymoon because that's all we could afford. So we took his parents camper. And of course, he got a major allergy attack. So we had to leave early. It's like, OK, this is going really well. <laughs> he was a, photor- you know, a photography major and he was photographing models many, many times a week. Then he would come home and tell me how I just didn't stack up to those models and I wasn't thin enough and I needed to exercise more and I needed to lose weight. It's like, uh, do I see you exercising? You know, I'm the one working and coming home and cooking dinner and cleaning the house and you're just going to school. And, um, you know, we started fighting and he he would think it would funny, be funny, be funny like, to pinch the inside of my arms and it hurt and he'd laugh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't feel good either for for it doesn't feel good to pinch me and it doesn't feel good that you're laughing at me and anyway things just kind of escalated and you know i'd call my sister for advice it's like well how do i make him like me more and you know none of that stuff worked and finally we just decided to split up and i moved back to connecticut where my parents lived and eventually cuz he finally he told me before i left it's like well i don't really love you or didn't really love you my family wanted me to get married cuz that's what you do when you're a young mormon man and it was time for me to get married and i was like Ugh. and you were a home economics major so that's obviously a good choice and i was like uh, yeah that's really making me feel good thanks and i moved back to connecticut and started working and going back to school and you know he contacted me and you know, well, my family thinks we should give it another try. It's like, well, do you want to come out to Connecticut and talk to me about it? No, you have to come to Utah and talk to me. Go, well, then forget it. You know, if you're not going to come get me and, and mm-hmm. pursue me. And, you know, it's like, no, that's just not working. And so we got a divorce. I just wasn't what he wanted. And so there's the the first lesson is, oh, you're not enough. And that was a hard, well, it was a realization. It's like, and that, see, that was one of the underlying, you oh, yeah running through every marriage is like, I didn't seem to be enough for any of them except one or two. So that, that was, that was awful. Um, Both of us were much happier. I'm sure divorcing and finding somebody else. Uh, Like I said, I hope he's happy. I I hope, you know, they stayed together and they've got a million kids.
0: (laughs) So you would say that The main lesson from this first marriage and divorce was starting to at least acknowledge that you could stand up for yourself.
1: I had to start learning to stand up for myself. So I did it when I said, no, I'm not running back to Utah to talk this over.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good boundary to set in that situation. Yeah. So if there was, it seemed like you said that there were several things you thought you should have talked about before you got married, but from this particular marriage, is there one thing that you remember wishing you had, you know spoken to him about before you got married?
1: i I I, I don't know at this point because I was so naive, but you know, I probably should have said, um, do you want kids right away? I assumed so much. It's like, Um, how serious are you about the church are you just going to church to please your parents or do you really want to dive in and make sure this is our lifestyle because with Mm -hmm. when you're a Mormon if you're going to be active it's a total total commitment and total lifestyle so you know everything revolves around church stuff pretty much Um, so I probably should have been really clear on that and you know, how we were going to deal with our money. Besides you go to work, you, you drops out of school, you go to work because I have to finish my degree, which he never did, or, you know, never did right away. I don't know. It's not like I keep in touch. Um, (laughs) Right. But, but, you know, those, those immediate things, it's like, how are we going to handle the spiritual side, the money side, um, the, the kids, you know, that, that would have been a big thing. It's like, if we had that discussion, you know, that, that would have been an eye opener.
0: Well, and I think it sounds like for that particular relationship, that scenario worked out in the sense that there wasn't a child that had to be in the middle of the dynamic when you were able to learn that this wasn't a good fit. And sometimes that can be the blessing in the situation, even if that wasn't necessarily what both of you wanted at the time.
1: Right. And it, it's funny because, you know, I always thought I wanted a lot of kids. The universe must have seen what was going to happen because I have one. <laughs> and and that's fine and it's it it's not funny, but we kind of joke about it now. So,
0: I I mean, I totally agree. I think things just work themselves out, how they're supposed to work themselves out, um even if that means things that we thought we really wanted or maybe things that we do or, you know, still really wanted don't work out for whatever reason. Y- right. your life can right. still be so full with the way that things just end up unfolding and focusing on those things i think is really important.
1: It is. It is. And life is full now, so it's good. Good.
0: Yeah. So, that takes us to marriage number 2. <laughs> okay. How how old were you and what were the circumstances of your life
1: at the time? I was about 22, so i didn't let a lot of grass grow be- between marriages. Um I had moved back to California by then because I, you know, I was living in Connecticut. I was going to school. And for whatever reason I did, I don't know if I decided I needed a change or, you know, life living with my, you know, near my best friend and living in her, you know, I was allowed to live at her parents' house. And so I could see her a lot, but it's like, I didn't think it's like, okay, I'm going there. And, um, I didn't have a lot of job skills at that. The only job experience I'd had was babysitting house cleaning and working at a department store pretty much. And, um, I didn't want to be a professional cleaner. That's for sure. (laughs) Ask any of my husbands, not my, not my favorite task, but, um, so I started, I, I was looking around for jobs and couldn't find any and decided to go to adult education with, you know, which is kind of like an offshoot of community college, but it's, you know, it's a whole separate program. And I took their business courses and decided that I really liked the bookkeeping. And so I became a bookkeeper and got a job. And, and then I was involved with the church and the singles activities and stuff like that. So I was having fun meeting a couple different guys and stuff. And then I hosted an activity at my house or, you know, the people's house where I lived. And uh, some friends I knew at church, you know, they brought the woman's brother who was not a member and he came and and I don't even know what the topic was. There's usually like somebody speaking or whatever anyway. And then he stayed and we kind of hit it off and we started talking and stuff. And then we started dating and like a, a month later we were married. Thank goodness, because I was pregnant. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's like, but he, he had um, gotten divorced from his first wife he had a little girl and he couldn't afford child support, so he wasn't allowed to see her. And I think she lived on the East Coast. and We were on the West Coast. So he was really missing her and he wanted to get married so soon because it would be on her birthday. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have needed to rush, but I would have found out I was pregnant eventually. I'm like, oh, we're pretty hurt. we Probably should get married. Um, so he was a really nice guy. A lot of fun had we had similar interests and stuff, but he did like to smoke pot. And here I am, this good Mormon girl, except for having sleeping with him when I shouldn't be as a good Mormon girl. But anyway, it's like, um, you know, he he liked my. He's like one of the only husbands my family actually liked. You know, he liked sailing. He got along with my parents, and and he was amused musically inclined. And he, you know, could do stuff with his hands. What I didn't know was that he had a substance abuse problem because of an injury in the Navy. So he got addicted to Valium. And what I didn't know was that he drank a little too much, a lot too Mm -hmm. much. And I didn't know he had, I I guess mental health covers many things. So he had bouts of depression and things. So I didn't know this because we weren't together very long and his family didn't tell me. And, you know, later it's like, well, we just thought if he married a nice Mormon girl, he, his life would straighten out. It's go, no, that's not how it works. You don't marry somebody to resolve your problems. You, you deal with your problems and then great. If the other person comes along, great. But um, that's not a good reason. That's like, I'm getting married because my family thinks it's time. It's like, but I didn't know this. And we got married. We have a beautiful daughter. You know, she's in her forties now. Um, but at, when I was seven months pregnant, it was becoming more apparent that he was well I don't know if I realized how serious he was about suicide but he had threatened it a couple of times when I was with him but it also became apparent that he was drinking too much and he'd he'd miss work because he was drinking too much or too you know and he was smoking a lot of pot back in the days when it was illegal and I remember he had me drive with him one time to go get the pot and I'm just terrified because I'm pregnant and we're going to do something illegal. And it's like, yeah, that is so not me. I was <laughs> like, like, I'm driving with you to buy pot. And this is terrible. What if we get caught? And it's like, but I went because I was a codependent, definitely by then. And he would talk me into buying him alcohol on the way home from work. And it's like, I don't go into the liquor stores. That's just not who I am. But I would because he needed it and he wanted it and you know would make me feel guilty if I didn't and eventually he made me feel guilty for going to church. So maybe I went less. And then eventually he, um, even though he promised our, my pastor that I would be allowed to go to church and keep up my activities and stuff. And was it okay if I paid 10% of my earnings to tithing? And oh yeah, yeah, that's all fine. Well, eventually he made me feel guilty about paying that tithing. And so I stopped. And then it 7 months he kicked me out because his his mental health was deteriorating and my daughter was born and I think he would unhooked his he'd unattached whatever you take the phone apart you know back then it was a landline and a ringer you know the dial thing Mm -hmm. um it's like somebody had to go to the apartment to tell him I'd had the baby because I was trying to call him and he'd taken the phone apart and he saw her he came to the house and saw her once and then when I was taking her to the doctor one day, I stopped by his apartment and, you know, we had a little visit um, and he adored her, but at five weeks old, he committed suicide. Oh, yeah. So, so she, sad. she grew up without her dad and thankfully we stayed really close with his family. So she had really a good, great relationship with her grandparents and her aunts and stuff, but she grew up without her dad and And then I picked really bad stepfathers. So we have had a lot of healing to do, which we have done. And there's probably Mm -hmm. more, who knows, but we've worked through a lot of those kinks. And, but it, it wasn't until many years had gone by before we actually had a chance to work on it, but we have, and I'm grateful for that. Um, So the best part of that marriage is I have a fabulous daughter (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we're really close. And. I I would say, you know, I don't know who of your listeners are into talking with people that have passed and stuff, but I do that. And so I have had a chat with him, but it was not, not to like this last year. And it was, you know, how, you know, your your daughter's okay. And he, you know, apologized and he was really sorry. And he was so proud of her. And so, so that was good to know that he's in a better place for him, but we would not have lasted. We would have divorced because, mm. you know, we're just we're going down a bad road and I knew he was suicidal and he wasn't getting the help that he needed because he didn't think he needed it so so so
0: what is the primary lesson from marriage number two
1: again you know like I said it's kind of the same lesson but I I should have taken the time to get to know him a lot better and I probably shouldn't have jumped into bed with him Um, But, you know, when you're in your 20s and the hormones are raging, sometimes you just can't help it. But um, that kind of clouds your judgment, (laughs) clouds your judgment at any day, any age. Um, But um, yeah, I should have I should have not fallen into the trap of, oh, let's get married on my daughter's birthday. It's like, sure, a year from now. (laughs) Right. I should have really it's all about I should have taken the time to really get to know him because if he'd been a great guy and not an addict, you know, it, it probably wouldn't have mattered to me if he he wasn't a member of the church, but who knows, because I was still, you know, very strongly interested in being a really active member of the church. And again, I can't go sailing with you on Sunday if I need to be in church, <laughs> you know, so it's hard to be married to somebody who's not a member because your life is so consumed with family and church service. So Sure. So,
0: that takes us to marriage number three. Okay. Why don't you tell us how old you are and what were the circumstances
1: at the time? Um, I think we probably got married. This was kind of tricky trying to figure this out, but I think we got married by the time I was like 24 and we were together. Well, we were together on paper for five years. We only lived together for about three and a half till I left. It just took a long time to get the divorce. Um, By then, my daughter wasn't even, she was over a year old. So she was a toddler. She wasn't, you know, maybe when we got married, she was like 14 months old. Um, and I met this guy at church again, you know, most of these people I met at church or through some church thing. Um, and Oh, he had like an important, uh, an important job in our, our sink. We had, um, like congregations just for single adults so Mm. so so that was kind of nice because people are in the same circumstances and you could meet people okay but what i didn't know was that he was telling other guys and i started i was dating you know it's like and i brought my baby with me to church and that was all cool and you know the guys like that and but um all of a sudden nobody was asking me out and later i found out that he'd been telling them oh she's mine I don't want don't date her it's like excuse me it's like you don't get to decide (laughs) but I didn't know he was telling people that and so we started dating and he said he was really interested he'd never been married before and he had a job I wasn't working I was fortunately I didn't because of I had widow's benefits from the guy dying so I didn't have to work till she went back to school and then I went back to work till she got into kindergarten. And then I finally went back to work. Um, but anyway, so he was working, you know, we were both active members of the church. I didn't realize how much of an inferiority complex he had because he used his charm to hide that. <clears throat> and then once, you know, he got, got immersed in our lives, you know, he really liked being a dad, but he was like super strict. I think he grew up with really strict, like people who'd been born in the South and whatever. And but um, really strict, and you know, thought it was okay to spank my daughter because she has heavy cloth diapers on and she can't feel it. So she's crying; she can feel it, <laughs> you know, and and she can tell your tone and. And again, you know, again, hormones are raging. You're not supposed to have sex before you get married. You can't live live together if you're a Mormon before you get married, all this stuff. So we eloped to Las Vegas and on the way, and again, this should have been the sign on the way to drop her off at my mom's, there was a truck in front of us that had a piece of lumber and it flew out of the back of the the pickup truck and into the windshield. So even though we weren't badly hurt, like the windshield, you know, flew through the window and like cut, gave her a cut on the side of her head. So we had to stop and go to the emergency room. And that was traumatic. You know, hearing your kids scream while she's tied down on a board and you can't go in there with her. And, but you know, what did we do? I went and still dropped her off at my mom's and got married. <laughs> don't, don't judge me too harshly people. Um, and then, you know, he took his role very seriously and was very strict with her. It's like, he decided okay well now she's old enough and it she still wasn't two yet it's like she needs to be out of a crib into a bed it's like excuse me um she needs to stop having a bottle and it's it's like so all of a sudden he's because he's the man of the house and he's the head of the household and all of a sudden he's making all these rules for my kid it's like okay well you're the one that wanted the happy family blah 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 um it, it it turned bad to worse and we were able to buy like a mobile mo- mobile home and and his he he obviously he had anger issues so you know again if you were going against him or if you irritated him he just blew up and i remember one day he came home from work and he was a funeral director at the time um so i don't know if his shifts were longer or or whatever or and then sometimes maybe when he wasn't a funeral director he was just the person who like the on-call person so you know anyway wasn't a great job but um he came home we had an argument and he proceeded to break all the windows in our mobile home and i was just mortified i know this isn't good and he hadn't really hit us yet excuse me and i you know went to the neighbors to hide or you know get out of there i talked to our minister well, did he hurt you?" I go, "No, but he broke all the windows in the house and now how how do I pay for this?" And, "Well, do you think he's going to hit you?" I go, "I don't know." And I think by then we've been talking about moving to Ohio because that's where his sister and her family lived and stuff. But um but I just I kept going along with this stuff because I wanted to support him as the head of the household. And the co- my mom just going, "You know, you need to like step up and, you know, let him know this isn't okay and to you know one one time you know he didn't like uh well he was so possessive that if i had like driven over to my mom's or i was like i don't know i'm not a big shopper but if i was if the daughter and i were somewhere and he didn't you know if i hadn't told him this is where we're going because the, uh, you know back in the 70s there were no cell phones and um He would call around to like my parents' house, my sister's house, this person in the church, trying to find where I was because he had to know where I was at every moment. And we were really poor, so it's not like I went anywhere except to my parents or to do church work. And he would just be livid if he didn't know where we were. It's like, dude, you know, I'm not cheating on you, you know, Um, but I I don't know what he thought if he he, that he was that, that insecure but he never hit us till we moved to Ohio. And, and I remember even before we moved to Ohio, he was mad about something. I think my mom planned my grandma's birthday party and it turned out to be a day he couldn't go. Maybe he had to work or something. And he was just livid because, you know, they must've done that on purpose. And I think I, you know, he, he made me cut my ties with my family because Hmm. he made, they made him mad. It's like, are you kidding? He comes home from work and I said, we're leaving. You're driving us to the airport. There's no discussion on this. And you know, he did. And that was that except then he, you know, came back to California. I went home to California and, and um, you know, then he decided he couldn't stay in Ohio and he, 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 he wanted to have us in. It's like, he wasn't going to have anything on me, but you know, he was insisting to have this relationship with my daughter. And she really didn't want to have anything to do with him. But it took another couple of years to get a divorce because he was, it's like, well, and I had let him adopt her, silly me, but you know, church thing, going to be this forever family. She's got to be adopted, blah, blah, blah. And, but the divorce took a while because we were fighting over custody and visitation. It's like, well, there's no way you're having joint, we're having joint custody. Thankfully, he moved to Southern California. I was in Northern California. This is my kid. We're not having joint custody. And if you want visitation, you've got to pay some child. Support. So this again is still back in the you know late seventies, early eighties. I was a you know it's like I just thought a hundred bucks a month. You know that seems like a pittance nowadays, and I can't afford that. I go well, you adopted her, you want to visit her, you know you got to pay something. So he agreed to that, but again it took a couple of years to negotiate all that, and it was so stupid because we'd have these phone calls and argue, and it was just awful and you know, he came to see her once, and she went to California, I mean, Southern California once to see him, but she didn't want to see him, and I didn't make her, and, Mm -hmm. you know, usually the money only got collected as he got a tax refund or whatever, and eventually, by the time she was 18, you know, I got the last bit of it, but, um, you know, it was hard, hard fought, and, you know, he he married somebody else with kids, and then had one of of his own, so he, you know, lost interest in her, and yeah, pretty sad, yeah. Well,
0: I appreciate you sharing that because it's such an interesting process to hear you speak about it because you set a boundary in marriage number one, you set a boundary in marriage number two, and you set a boundary in marriage number three, just because somebody or even yourself now can say, oh, it should have been sooner doesn't mean it didn't get there. And I think that that's an important positive to acknowledge Mm -hmm. you Decided to protect yourself, decided to protect your child and take that stand. And that's the important part when people are in relationships with abuser is to say, you know what? I did set a boundary and I got out. Um, And and so that's, you know, something everybody can be proud of in those moments whenever it happens. And that's, that's what we need to remember. It's not all the times you didn't call the police or all, all the times you should have, could have, would have. It's that you did and you got out. And started a new chapter for you and your daughter, and that's amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah, because you know it's like everybody at church thought he was so wonderful. (laughs) They always are. They're always charming. You know, they put on this. They're always charming, and they're they're doing their church work, and they look so act so spiritual. Um, It's not always the case. Yeah. And I, I wasn't even telling my family that that was what was going on. And you know, it's like even to the point where he was so insecure that when my dad died um he wouldn't let me now i my parents would have given me the money to go home for the funeral but he wouldn't let me go because he was afraid i wouldn't come back i would not have sure i i would have felt it's like well okay i can leave all cuz I, I i i'm sure that i would not have gone back um my parents or my mom could have somebody could have easily convinced me to stay you know right. and just I don't need my stuff. Donate all my stuff. I can buy new stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he 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 was insecure, probably for a reason because you know, and that was still maybe a couple of years even before I actually left, or you know, at least a good year and a half or whatever. But um, it was yeah, Yeah. you know, it it was a rough, it was a rough road. So that takes us to marriage number four. (laughs) Okay. By then. I was 30. Yeah, I was 30. And my daughter was seven by then. And we were living, oh, we had moved from Southern California to Northern California. That's, you know, when I left number three, my my whole family was moving because my dad had died. So we we all moved. My mom had bought this big piece of property up in Northern California. So we all moved there. And my brother already lived in the area. So the rest of us just moved on to this giant complex. <clears throat> And my my sister still owns it today. So, you know, it's still in the family, which is nice. Um, I went to a church dance and I met this guy who was, you know, fun and a good dancer and, you know, had a good sense of humor. And we got along and we started dating and then he proposed. So, of course, I said yes, even though my mother said no, 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 no. (laughs) And I had asked my daughter, okay, mom, yeah, if it makes you happy, even though she didn't like him at all. It's like. Could you have please? Well, what was I going to do, Mom? At seven, change your mind? Come on. And again, he'd never been married. He he wasn't working when we met, but he was going. I don't know if he'd had an injury or what. I can't remember the circumstances, but he was going to like vocational school, so he was lear- you know, learning some trade, learning some skills or whatever. But he got a job kind of shortly after we got married. But we got married and and we we dated for several months. I can't remember when we started dating, but we dated for several months. But again, not asking the right questions not really saying okay when we get married how are we going to handle this or this or this or this you know he seemed to get along with my daughter for the most part you know my family tolerated him um they weren't mean to him or anything so it's like but again I didn't I don't I don't always take everybody's advice apparently and so we got married and and again it was like okay I'm the, the head of the household this is how it goes you know and um it's so funny because he got it and i was still you know i was a bookkeeper i had a good job you know i was bringing home the money and working and you know my fortunately i didn't have to pay for daycare because my daughter could come right home from school and she's lived we're living on this compound with grandma great grandma aunts uncles cousins it was great um i remember he got a job working for you know somebody we knew at church who delivered milk and milk products around town um and so that was great, but it's physical labor. Okay. Sure. You're hard. It's hard. You're tired, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I don't even know why I got married. Cause obviously we, we didn't have a happy family and he wasn't, again, the hormones are raging before you get married, but then he hardly seems interested in physical intimacy after you get married. It's like, well, this sucks. And, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're young, we're cute. Why aren't we having sex all the time? You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy, but he just didn't seem that interested. And he wasn't, you know, totally interested in Mm -hmm. this whole family package. He didn't want kids. And of course I wanted more kids. He didn't want kids. So that became an argument. And, and I remember one day, um, my daughter, again, precocious, she's seven, maybe eight by now. I don't even remember. And she kicked him. He irritated her. So she kicked him. She's seven. She's not going to hurt him very much. He wore pointy, probably steel toe, but pointy cowboy boots all the time. And he kicked her back. (laughs) And she still had, she goes, mom, I still have the dent in my shin from that. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, you can still see the indentation in her shin and she's in her forties. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't going well. And then, you know, and I journaled, I kept all, I journaled a lot back then just because I, you know that's something you learn to do in the church you journal your life journal your experience, your spiritual experiences all this cool stuff okay well so and so and i had another fight about this had another fight about this and you know it's just like by then okay this is husband number four I, i'm i'm not gonna wait 10 more you know we're not even gonna give it five years if it's not working it's just not working and um i just told him And at the time I think his dad was ill and I could tell that he was starting to look for apartments, other places. So we, we just split up and, you know, it it wasn't a hard divorce. There was no property, you know, we didn't own anything. So there wasn't any property to split up. Nobody was going to pay each other child support or alimony. You know, there was just none of that. We just cut ties and went our separate ways. And, but I I do remember, um, Oh, this is, you'll like this. I do remember uh, running into, it's like I went to lunch with my family one day and like he's over in the corner of this Chinese restaurant, kind of behind the partition with some new girlfriend. It's like, oh, she looks quite a bit older. <laughs> and and again, as far as not listening, you know, here's another lesson to learn. If you've got church people or family telling you, it's probably not a good idea to marry that person. I've got a bad vibe about him. Listen, because I didn't. And look where it got me. Even my, you know, my mom said, yeah, no. And my my minister said, Yeah, I've heard some things about him, about anger issues and stuff. And you probably, you know, should think twice. It's like, oh, I think we're okay. You know, we get along really well. And years, years later, um, just in the last, you know, five years, you know, when I'm when I'm now fast forward with husband number seven, but we'll, we'll you know, this is just a little caveat. There there was this journalist really um wreaking havoc about husband number seven and I and and trying to build up a bad a lot of bad press about us and he went around and interviewed people he actually found that husband number four and and like what and by then he's like a a, he's got a pretty prestigious church job it's like what do you mean he made like in the the mormon church they're called bishops so like they're head of the local congregation it's like he's a bishop and you know the bishop's supposed to be really spiritual and wise and it's like that guy is now a bishop, <laughs> that guy who kicked my daughter <laughs> and who was rude and mean to me and didn't have enough respect to think I had a decent job. He's a bishop. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, the church is reaching to low heights. Well, you said something interesting about
0: listening to those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think is important to highlight about that is it's just it's just listening and then going to push on those issues yourself, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily about, oh, you know, one person doesn't really like this guy or doesn't think the relationship is right because they could be totally wrong. But if they're close enough to you and you know that they love you, listen to them and probe that issue yourself to figure out, right? you know, are they giving you some insightful information and especially if it's multiple people? Right Or are they just, you know, wanting to project what they want for you? But I I thought that that was an important thing to highlight because there can be value in the people around you who love you telling you something that could isolate them from you, especially with a partner. But if they're willing to do that, it's probably for your reason, right? Probably something there. Yeah. That takes us to marriage number five. How old were you and what was the circumstances at the time?
1: Oh, let's see. I was 32. I had a good job. You know, I was still in the same place, living at my mom's and stuff, but I had a good job with a county. And if I'd stayed there, you know, I could have retired from there, but I didn't. Um, And I, I went to like a singles, a church, like camp out for single adults. So, you know, you could take your kids camping, you could meet other singles, blah, blah, blah. So I took my daughter, you know, my daughter and I, oh, we just wanted to be able to go camping and do what I did when I was growing up. Cause that was all great. It's like, yeah, I'm glad we never got too into that. Cause like, I realized I don't ever need to go camping. Ever again. <laughs> but anyway, we got a tent. We, we you know, we pitched the tent. Da da, da da And I don't remember what the food situation was, but then I met this nice guy and you know, he, he had, he didn't have his kids with, hit, with him, but it, you know, he was charming and cute or handsome, whatever. And, um, And we hit it up. There was something I said that I, you know, was kind of controversial, a a church thing that I, I guess we were talking about polygamy at the time, because, you know, the Mormons in the old days were allowed to have multiple wives. And I guess we were talking about that subject and it's like, well, you know, I probably, you know, I'm sure that in heaven you get to have multiple wives. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I didn't have a problem with the concept, but he was really into that idea. And he really wanted that for himself. So this is this is the, the weird marriage, except for the guy in prison. But this is the weird marriage, because anyway, so we got together. And so technically, and I say this in my book, so it's like we told everybody we got married. We never really got married. But, you know, we lived together for five years. So common law, almost legally common law marriage some of the times we'd go to the Mormon church, some of the times we were going to like a new age church, because we were exploring options, and he wanted to meet other women and be a polygamist. Well, he was not, I mean, he couldn't even manage his own money. So let alone meet women that he could, you know, bring into some polygamous relationship. And it's like, so that was weird because we're living a double life. And that was the hardest part because you know, it's like, I hate to lie. And so to tell people over here that number one, we're married and we're still good Mormons. Yeah, okay. So that was all a lie. So technically, you know, we told everybody later we got divorced. So I counted as a divorce, even though there's no divorce on paper and there's no marriage on paper. So I didn't really intentionally lie to you, but everybody just thinks we got divorced because um, that's just the way we saw things. But that, that was hard. But you know, the hardest part, um, he's been married almost as many times as I have Hmm. since we split up. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy. But he's never he's never, you know, he can't even keep a job, let alone have more than one wife at the same time. So his little dream went down the the tubes. But um, he was really, I guess there was one point in his life long before I met him, like with his first wife, and they were doing like a multi level marketing thing. So they made a lot of money. So he he knew what it was to have a lot of money and a big house. And, you know, cool. I'm a big man on campus because i got all this money and I got this big house and, you know, we can, we're doing great. We're successful. They got divorced. I mean, he kind of shared custody with his ex and stuff. And finally, it was just a disaster. So nothing worked right. And it's like, um, at one point, he talked me into investing some money of a family member that I was, you know, helping them with their money. And he lost it all, you know, and he invested it in something where she said, okay, I I trust you to invest my money, but don't do it in this. And that's exactly what he was going to invest it in. And so he lost this pot of money and I had to Mm -hmm. pay it back. You know, number one, I had to admit to that person, that's what happened. And that's humiliating. And number two, I had to spend however long it took me to pay that back. And that just put me in financial ruin. And then he and I were just not getting along. And the money was was a critical piece of that and so we split up told everybody we got a divorce i moved to a different part of town but and it was like from we were living in like a little suburban neighborhood nothing fancy but you know three three bedrooms and a pool you know (laughs) my daughter and i moved to a little two-bedroom apartment downtown next literally next to the railroad tracks and she was so embarrassed I think there was one friend of hers that even knew that's where we lived. She would have people drop her off mm. blocks away. And cause she was so embarrassed to have to be in this dinky apartment and, you know, mom's money was tight. Money was terrible, but I still managed like to, and, and she was taking ballet and that's expensive, but you know, she had to cut back on that. And one of the worst parts was, um, and I, I can't remember my, many of the good parts with him, but, I remember right after we split up, you know, cause the divorce didn't take very long because, <laughs> you know, um, he, he met somebody else and married her right away and has a baby right away. And he and I, I think I got pregnant once, but I lost it before it was even very far along. And, you know, we, I mean, I was so into oh yay I'm finally pregnant this is super I had names picked out I was already buying baby clothes okay this was even well before like the 12 week mark when you're supposed to go to the doctor it's like by the time I got to the doctor pregnancy test was positive by the time I saw the doctors like I'm not getting anything you're it's the it didn't take it's like are you kidding me and he marries her has this boy names it what I was going to name a boy if we'd had a boy and. You know, I didn't do it intentionally, and it's like, and and they went on to have like three kids, I think, at least. And because of the financial ruin I was in, I ended up having to file bankruptcy. And and yeah, the the amount he owed it was several thousand dollars, but it, it, you know, but I ended up going to bankruptcy court. And then he walks because he's the cause of my bankruptcy. And he did admit that in court, but it's like, and he walks with the wife and all the babies. And it's like, mm-hmm. you had to bring them all. You, you had to just like rub that in my face <laughs> that you're happily married and have three more kids. <laughs> right. Great. Thanks so much. Um. So so that was hard. And I, again, I think one of the, the main, really find out about somebody's finances before you get hooked up with them or on a permanent basis and really, you know, can, can they, do they have a job? Are they stable enough? I don't need somebody to be living in a mansion or, or, you know, I don't tell them, you know, let's we'll get to number seven in a minute, but um, I don't need them to be super rich. I do need them to be stable enough so that we're not scraping the barrel, especially at my age. But even, you know, in my late thirties, early forties, you know, you hope by then, your partner is going to be stable enough to know how to provide for his family. Um, that isn't always the case, but it's something you should look into before you get married or live together.
0: Yeah. That's like the number one premarital planning discussion that I encourage people to take is, and it doesn't mean that finances is always going to be, you know, a, a, a cause of divorce depending on the circumstance, but is, ask questions have hard conversations not just what is yeah, your yeah. income but what are your what are your money goals how do you spend how do you save to, you know do you carry debt what debt do you have what's your plan to pay it off and what are some exciting fun things that you, uh, like exciting fun goals you want to achieve and how can money right. support that sometimes the answer is my goals don't require that some are Well, my goals are to travel, so money towards travel is important. But just talk about it. It's so important, and it can lead you to have so many other conversations that are also important. Again, focusing on goals. What are your life goals? Finances can also lead to the conversation about children. So it's just a starting point, but so many people get weird about money, and the last place you need to feel weird about money is when you're getting into a legal contract To marry somebody, so I I like that. That's kind of where we are in the lessons of, you know, your experiences is that financial discussion because I I I really pack that punch to a lot of people when I talk about premarital planning is. Talk about all of the money issues. Put it all on the table, and it's it's never going to be a bad thing. Even if there are problems, that's usually not going to be a reason the marriage can't continue. It just means okay, we need to we need to figure out how to get on the same yeah, page. Don't right? We don't get to number seven. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, but we'll just let's six. get to marriage number six. <laughs> oh, okay, so by now I'm like thirty nine, and. I I met another guy at a church singles dance and, um, he was black. Not that that mattered at all to me. You know, we got along, we had met at some conference before. So I, I knew he was a nice guy. I knew he had a good job. I didn't know a lot about him, but he was a great dancer and we had a lot of fun on the dance floor and we would talk and we, you know, started just having fun. So that was cool. Um, he had a few kids, some of them, only one of them lived with him, but, um, but he really wanted to get married. He wanted to get engaged quickly. And I said, yeah, no, not right away. But, um, but then my daughter was going to, by now she's a junior in high school and she got accepted to go to Japan as a foreign exchange student. And she was going to be leaving like that spring. And, um, and I, somehow my subconscious was just saying, Oh, you don't want to be alone. You must not want... It's like, so then I I accepted his proposal. And, you know, by then she was mad at me. But, you know, and he lived... Oh, he could have lived an hour away from me. But it was like, you know, several towns over. So it was a longer drive. But it's like, so I remember we did get married. My daughter boycotted the wedding. (laughs) She refused to go. (laughs) I was like, come on, she's a junior. I guess she had... But, but when we got back to the apartment to open presents, she had, you know, tidied up the apartment and decorated things with like wedding bows and things. So that was pretty, that was very nice of her, but don't, don't, the lesson here is don't get married just because you're going to be afraid of being living alone. That, that just doesn't work out. Mm. The other thing is she's a teenager. I wasn't around to supervise her as much as she needed. And, um. And it's like, what What do you mean you're drunk? <laughs> what, what do you mean you're at the hospital? And I didn't even, it's like, what do you mean you're having, you know, you drank too much? And what do you mean you're at this party and they're drinking? Where are the parents? It's like, because now I'm concentrating on dating this guy and, you know, my 16 year old is partying. It's like, oh, that's not good. So it's like there when you're, you know, I get that as adults, we need a life. We need life you know and she's kind of in the same way now she's in her 40s she's a single mom she's got teenagers she's dating it's like so how do you you know you got when do you trust your kids and it, it's a hard it's a hard issue um or how do you trust your kids and how much trust how when do you leave them alone how much do you leave them alone but i i didn't that was you know i didn't do that well and when we got married between the time we got married and then going her going to Japan, we would like, we would spend a weekend at my apartment with her and then like the next weekend at his place. And we would go to church in both places. You know, it's like, it was exhausting. (laughs) It was really exhausting. And she left for Japan. I moved to his house and, you know, she came home. She refused, even though she was still in high school, she refused to move in with us because she wasn't going to live there. You know, she didn't like him. She didn't like his son. She was not going to live in that town. But it was it was interesting because he and I was like, "Oh, now my daughter's home. I can spend time with her. And it's like, oh, this marriage isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. So we're gonna split up. So I moved in with her for a while, and then he started trying to woo me again. It's like, oh, okay, I'll give it another shot. And then, and again, we weren't married that long. a year or so, I, I don't know. I think we made our first anniversary, but don't don't quote me. I don't even remember. um <laughs> and then, I started going to therapy because I was seeing some problems. And it's like, well, you know, we're having problems. Why don't you come to therapy with me? Oh no, it's all your fault. I'm not going. Like, excuse me? Okay, bye. <laughs> like I I have no patience with people who won't try and work through things with me. And I have no patience with a married partner telling me it's all my fault, because it clearly wasn't all my fault, you know. It was never, it was meant to be my stopgap relationship while my daughter was gone. I see that Mm. now. It was a silly thing to do. I did it anyway. But, you know, again, if you're not willing to work out the bugs with me, then, you know, what's the point of staying here? And, you know, I'm just better now at cutting things off before it (laughs) takes too long. We didn't right away they like file divorce papers you know we kind of it's like what's the hurry i'm not interested in dating right now you know there's no rush and it's not like we ever tried to get back together again but finally it's like you know really we're not going to get back together so let's just file the paperwork
0: well i'm getting anxious because i feel like it's come up so many times but i feel like i i'm ready to know
1: about marriage number seven (laughs)
0: okay
1: big lesson here is don't marry somebody in prison unless you unless you knew him before he went to prison maybe um guess it depends on why he's there yeah true um and it's funny because you know when I grew up my family's philosophy was well if you're in prison you must be guilty there's a reason you're there case closed now if you go to a prison visiting room and you're looking around there with all these happy people visiting their spouses or their parents you know they just look like normal happy people. And then the ex, well, that guy's the head of that gang. That guy's killed that many people. That guy's running drugs in here or running his drug business from here. It's like, huh, he's just visiting his nice mom. Huh, that guy looks so friendly. It's like, I would that's a serial killer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. But anyway, um, the the lesson here is don't don't marry somebody in prison and again find out check out your facts don't blindly believe everything somebody tells you um i was at 43 when we got married or when we got together and we actually courted for five years because you know we're in our 40s and part of the reason why i kept getting married was i thought i needed to find a dad for my daughter well by then i don't need one my daughter's happily living i don't she wasn't married but she was happily living with you know her soon to be husband um you know we were just we i'm in my roommate came home one day and said oh i met this really nice guy because her husband was in prison and he's smart and he's visiting his mom's that smart that would be a new kind of boyfriend for me let's try that out i don't i've been to visit mm-hmm. prison at prison so i didn't that didn't scare me and so we started writing, you know, he was like, he's a year older than I am. So we started writing, okay, now we're the same age. So we understand the same things kind of, you know, it's like, if you mention a music group, you know who that was. Cause you would have both listened to that. Maybe, you know, when you're teenagers, um, he had great stories about living different places with his family. Cause they were in the military and eventually he had great stories about his military experiences. And we talked about food and this and that and this and that. And he had kids and I have the one. And eventually there were grandkids coming along. So we were talking about all the, all these fun things. And it's like, okay, and, and that's cool. And he had a fascinating military career. Um, I do believe he's in prison for something he did not do, but he has a life sentence because it involves murder. Um, but he's really charming. And we had these great conversations and, you know, we were just one of those happy couples in the visiting room. <laughs> and it was so sweet when he would hold my hand or we go get food and he'd ha- hold my hand. And that's about all you could do. You could hug at the beginning and end and, you know, a little kiss. And that was about it. Um, but I i found myself like I i met him and he was so charming and interesting. And I was learning so many new things about life and the worldview. It's like, oh, I don't need that church anymore. Not that he said you need to visit me, leave the church. It's like, I just, I don't need that church anymore. And I'd rather spend time talking to this interesting man rather than spend all day in church. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, Oh, this is cool. And, and, and again, we could visit like three, three days, three afternoons a week. And, you know, I'm I'm spanning a lot of t- time here, but he, he talked to my roommate and I ended starting a publishing company because he had one and he'd made it so successful. like, okay. And we tried it. And it's like, it, you know, the products were good. You know, we, we produced a great magazine and a great newspaper, but neither of us were good at selling advertising. <laughs> you know, you needed sales to, to actually make it work. Um, and eventually it didn't, but I, I made it go for two years and I published, I mean, several years and I published, two of his fiction novels and he was a prolific writer so you know this man could do nothing wrong and that was he had this air of confidence like you know i'm god i am this cool good cool person and i'm everybody likes me and i'm this military hero which he is um you know but it was like don't rock the boat everything of his sounded like such a great idea that you just naturally i I just naturally wanted to help him with his projects. And now, yes, if I could keep doing my job, that was great. But I I stopped now. This is this is where it's like he convinced me to leave my accounting job to start this business that I had no idea what I was doing, except that I knew how to do the books. But it's like I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I can, I'm a good student, I can produce a good product, but I was not a marketing person. I'm still not a marketing person. It's very hard. But, you know. Oh, this, it worked for me. I will tell you exactly how to do it. Well, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> like We didn't follow his plan exactly. And, and again, over the years, you know, he would give me great ideas t- to try and help him. I did a lot of research for his writings. That was great. He, he introduced me to a lot of topics, which I love now. And I used to go out as his spokesperson and, and talk at conferences about certain military things he was involved with, but it wasn't until almost covid And I'd already poured a ton of money because I moved into his family house in Northern California and helped his mom for a few years while she had dementia and then she died. So now I'm in this house all by myself and it's over 100 years old and it's just a money pit. But he remembers it as his family childhood home and it's got this great memory and it's beautiful and la, 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 and the great gardens. I go, well, it's not like that. And I, I can't work full time and totally keep it up. Like you remember it to be, you know, Shangri-La. Yeah. It, it was crazy. Cause I didn't realize till we'd been together, you know, we were together 25 years. I didn't realize till after we'd been together, like 20, more than 20 that things really weren't going so well. And it's like, oh, Okay, well, why why do you like me? Why did we get married? Well, I, I you know, I love you because we got married. <laughs> like, okay, well, but why? What do you like about me? To this day, he cannot articulate what he likes about me. He just thought that was so ludicrous for a man to have to tell his wife that because obviously, I must like you and I must love you if I've stayed with you all this long. It's like, okay, that's great. But a wife wants to hear what you like about them every now and then. I don't need to be showered with compliments every day all day you know it's like eh. you can't take me out to dinner mm-hmm. and you can't take me to a movie you can't take me for that long drive you keep talking about we can't go dancing at the top of the whatever hotel you're telling me about or whatever you know in san francisco there's some cool places to go to dinner and dancing you can't take me there it's like so you got to tell me what you like you so like, you can't give me flowers so you got to give me something and he could never do that he would hardly compliment me and then again as we're splitting up it's like well you know and and like you don't want to make out with me you know it's like you don't want to hardly touch me but you know basically except a hug and it's like you should have tried to be prettier it's like you just said that as we're untangling things it's like well you started your business in my house and then turned your back on all my needs I go excuse me my business was making all the money and so here then we come to the money because when I met him um I knew through the military and through investments he's made and and whatever. He supposedly has property in many places around the world. He supposedly had a pot of money somewhere like over there in some investment house. And I never saw it, I never really saw proof of it. I saw it inklings um but I never saw any of his money, but he always acted like he had a lot of it and that he had a lot of it like he was given an allowance from from his investments. Um, so, okay. It looks like, and, and, and for a while he, you know, he bought me a few nice gifts at the beginning of our relationship. Yay. A washing machine and a refrigerator, (laughs) but I did get a nice piece of jewelry or two, you know, that was cool. Um, and, but it's like, again, I was just, once I started realizing that my needs were not being met and started bringing that up, it's like, what do you mean? It's like, what do you mean? I, I'm taking care of you. I've let you live in this house. And yes, it's a nice, nice neighborhood, but the house is a hundred years old and it's falling apart and I can't keep up with it. You know, I'm trying to work and now I've got to put another eight grand into that part of the roof, another eight grand into that sewer pipe, another whatever. So I've put over a hundred grand into that house and no, did I have to pay rent? No, I get that. But I've always told you I would take care of you when I got out. I go, I don't know when you're getting out you have a life without parole sentence. All the remedies keep getting squashed. It's like, dude, I can't work till I'm 90 and drop dead at my computer. But he would, as long as I was following the plan, following his ideas and going along with the flow and not poking the bear, we were fine. And then I got into my sixties and going, oh crap, I want to retire at some point. I can't afford it. I did start sep so I, I do have a little bit of money in savings you know not as much as most people my age would like to have in savings um i'm still going to retire next year sometime because i'm just not going to wait till i'm 90 and he can't tell me not to um but i said well let's have a plan if we need to downsize the house or at least get rid of some of the crap because there was there was his stuff in there my stuff his parents' stuff, I could never fully unpack, even though I lived in that house for 20 years because there was so much stuff and there was no place to go. And he didn't want to get rid of any of it. He's a he just he's to this day, he doesn't want to get rid of any of it. I, I left there during COVID and because I was so tired of the house. I was in by myself and feeling so isolated and things were falling apart. And you know, my family's going, you need to leave, you need to move. It's like this is too much for you to keep paying for it. And it's like, so again, I'm being financially abused and he doesn't get any of that. And so he, I left and then he immediately assumed I was leaving him. I go, no, I just need to get out of the house. And I've left a caretaker there, even though that didn't work out. But so all these plant, you know, we, we tried to keep going and get along, but then he'd get, and then I just, I just started poking the bear. And it's like, I need answers about this, 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 we need a plan plan to pay for the house that doesn't involve me. You know, you have money, where is it? The only time I ever saw money was $500 to help me fix one of the holes in the roof. And that took months to get. But it's like, okay, you've got kids, can't they help us? You've got a pile of money over there. Why can't you release some of that? Oh, you told me you sold this asset. Where's the money? <laughs> and so I'm I'm mm-hmm. finding all these things several years later now that Probably he lied about and it's it's so frustrating because the divorce was final in May. I'm still, you know, and we're going to have to sell the house because nobody's living in it and it's falling apart and nobody, you know, I'm not paying for it anymore. And, you know, we're trying to sell things just to pay off this one little last piece of a bank loan so that they don't foreclose on your house while we try to help save it for you. He's still convinced that I'm, Want to grab all his assets like in Europe and wherever else they might be, but like, I don't want any of your shit. I don't, I'm not going to take your kids' houses that you've put them in. I don't care what you have. I couldn't bring all that stuff over. It's like, I don't have any place for that. Why would I want it? I don't have any legal right to it. And you're still worried that somehow I'm gonna try and grab it. I go, Our divorce says nobody owes anything, anybody, anything. The money he owes me mostly from is, is due from his trust that was supposed to fund the asset. So, you know, yeah, yeah. You owe me for half of the divorce. Yeah. You owe me for the half of these repairs that I've had to do since the divorce, but I don't know that I'll ever get it.
0: <laughs> and I think, I mean, there are plenty of people who go after every little thing that you exactly. possibly find um and so i think a, a theme throughout our conversation today has kind of been you just mostly just wanting to get out and start fresh and it's allowed you to kind of have all these different experiences along the way good <laughs> bad um interesting different oh. right but yeah. being able to make the decision to say you know money is money and yes it is important for the things that you need to live your life but I just need to get out, move on. You keep yours, and and let's move forward. And I think that's that's not right for everybody, but it can right. be right in the moment for certain situations. And I think that kind of was a a narrative that um, you know was sewn together through these experiences.
1: Well, and and the interesting thing about the money is, you know, his family supposedly assumed I was this gold digger because yes, I was impressed that he had money or supposedly had money. Again, I've never seen any of it, but you know, his whole story to me this whole time was that his family all this time thought I was this gold digger. Like, well, I I have a couple pieces of jewelry that I have now sold. Thank you very much. And, you know, he goes, well, uh, they wanted me to do this prenup before we got married, but I trusted you. So I said no. And because I'm marrying you, I'm going to get cut off from my allowance. I'm going, well, maybe you should have done a prenup because then I would have had proof that you had money. (laughs) Right. Because now you just create these stories that i can't even prove. it's like you know supposedly he sold this asset to help take care of the house and it's like i wanted to see proof of that i wanted to see okay how much cleared from that sale so now we can plan how to you know how the money needs to be spent to save your house well i should why are you demanding to see that it's like what's the problem dude you know we're married i'm your wife i should see this stuff you know the great <laughs> like, little yeah.
0: antidote in support of premarital agreements <laughs> yes thank
1: you I- I would definitely be in support of that from now on, but I don't ever need to get married again. So there we are. (laughs) So what's next for Joanne? Joanne is writing her second book. Um, So I just finished the first draft of that. So that is wonderfully healing because that's all about the narcissist because he is a classic narcissist. Um, And Joanne is you know happy with her cats. She's happy living in Oregon. She's happy walking. I, I'm going to little activities that I love. I'm, I'm dipping my toes into seeing what the dating world is possibly like. It's terrifying. <laughs> um, it's terrifying, but I, I'm getting out there. And I'm, I'm again, yes. Would I like something? The holidays are coming. Would I like somebody to go do some fun holiday activities with? Cause I, you know, if my daughter, my daughter's not going to be available for everything I want to go do, you know, and just to, you know, I want to have a life. I've already gone on Mm -hmm. one cruise, like right as the divorce is becoming final, because I didn't know, you know, we were in the last, I went on a cruise with my sister and her husband. That was fun. It's like, look at Joanne's out getting some adventure. Um, And Joanne's got another cruise planned for next spring. So it's like, okay, Joanne's gonna, I'm not going to sit back and wait for life to happen to me. I'm not going to sit and wait to think I need to have a man in my life. Because I can clearly support myself with that one, but it would be fun to have friends and maybe a partner to, to have some fun with, you know, that, that would be nice. Yeah. But um, in, in the meantime, I'm really happy with who I am. I'm, I am so blunt now, now about who I am. It's like, Oh, look at you. You've got a voice now and you you're saying the hard stuff. It is what it is. And I'm trying to surround my people or attract the people that are, you know, like-minded enough so that we're going to get along and you're not going to be freaked out that I've been married seven times and you're not going to be freaked out that I'm a witch. Come on. You know,
0: (laughs) right. Right. And where can we find more information about Joanne, Uh, your book coming out and things that you're doing?
1: The one book I have is called midlife magic it's on Amazon and everything, and it's under the old married name of Richards. It's also on my website, dragonhillbooks.net. The new book is going to be is called The Prince Was Wrong, because that's his nickname and he was wrong, and he didn't want to ever be told he was wrong. Um, I have a new website, joannefawcett.com. It's not quite ready yet, but you can email me at info at or Joanne at and, you know, there's going to be an email form re- pretty soon. I'm going to start doing a newsletter to keep people updated. I'm, I'm setting a goal of a launch date for next June because I just finished the rough draft. And now, you know, we start the revisions. I've been working with a book coach. So, you know, and I'm speaking on a lot, as many podcasts as I can to just because I want to help people not, you know, make all the, the same blunders that I did and just help people who are, you know, this this is painful going through this stuff and it's messy but um, that doesn't mean you have to define your life by it. So I choose not to define my life by the crap. So
0: (laughs) that I feel like that's like the perfect bookend to this conversation (laughs) is, is not defining your life by certain things that have happened, regardless of what those are. I think divorce is one of those stigma things that people let define them at times. So I I love that kind of being our, our end to this conversation. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're
1: so welcome. Thank you for yours. I know, know you have a little kid at home and, you know, she'll probably be waking up soon. Any minute now, any minute now, probably. <laughs> but thank, thank you. And thank you for doing your work. I love your your attitude about divorce. And, you know, you would have been a good lawyer for me. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: I, I will stay in touch and hope to talk soon. Well, thank you so much. Take good care.